Hello, Caroline. How are you? I am very well. Nicole, how are you? I'm very well. And good, good. welcome to our listeners. This is another episode of That Engineering Chat. Interesting one this week. We were on our second chat with Paul Jepson. He is new business analyst at Oriental Motor. And we're talking about Food is all I'm really thinking about after that conversation. I, I don't know about food, you, Caroline. Glorious food. Food, glorious food. Great, right, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It um, made us think that it's, uh, it's not just nip down to the supermarket, pick up a tray or something, stick it in the microwave. Absolutely. It was a little bit more nuanced than that with all the motors and uh, actuators. Mm. And he, he was very interesting. He took us really from going into the factory warehouse all the way out to the supermarket shelves and just all the different processes and just how automation has taken over and that it's such a precision art now yes. to get your we focused on the lasagna in a tray probably the lasagna was a main was focus a... but what when would that never be a main focus in life well, but as actually... a journalist you always play to what your audience <laughs> wants to talk about and we want to talk about lasagna so <laughs> But also, like you say, we covered a lot. And actually, I thought it was a pretty educational chat. I mean, great to know about what Oriental Motor can do. But also, like you say, talking us through that whole process. I mean, I might even play that episode to my kids. It's good for them to know where the food, not just where the food comes from, but the process it goes through too. Yeah. Well, it's like a grown up. You remember play school where they used to go through the round window and they'd see all the stuff behind the scenes. (laughs) It was like a grown-up version of that. It was great. Yeah, I like that. So we'll have more of those, please. More of those. So, yes, listen now to Caroline and I chatting away with Paul Jepson. Here we are again talking to Paul Jepson. Paul Jepson is the new business analyst at Oriental Motor. The topic for today's podcast is automation in the food industry, which I'm very excited about. I do like my food. Um, It's an essential service, not just for me, but for all of us. And yeah, very much loved by uh, myself and Caroline. But we're going to ask you, Paul, about what technology really goes into bringing our food to the supermarkets. Um, And yeah, how, how that integrates into everything we do. So hello, Paul. Hello, hello. Hi, Nicole. Hello. And hi, Caroline, as well. How are you both doing? Oh, yeah, we're fine. Thank you, Paul. Excellent. Nice to see you again. Yeah, very good to be here again. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So we're not talking about growing or harvesting food here, are we? We're talking about the food packaging industry. That's right, yeah. I mean... Uh, the farming and agriculture side of things is absolutely full of automation as well, but uh, we're not looking at that stage at the moment. We're going to be uh, looking at what goes into putting the food in the uh, packaging that arrives in your supermarket or, or uh, wherever else you get your food from these days. Excellent. So I imagine that there was a conveyor belt, you use uh, motors, you transfer the trays from A to B, you put the food in and then, then ship it out. But there's more to it than that isn't there so what's the first stage where the conveyor belts are used and and what kind of motors would be used on those okay well um even for the packaging and everything that the food goes into there is a lot of automation but we'll go into we'll assume we've already got to the stage where you've got your your tray uh, to have the food put in whether it's uh, plastic or bamboo or or whichever because there's a quite uh, a few variations in that these days so 
at that stage, um, you have what's called the infeed process. And the infeed process is where the tray that the food will come uh, be packaged into is being brought into the machine to have the food loaded. Uh, now, these can be quite variable in size, shape, material. Um, a steak, for example, is not going to be put into the same kind of packaging as a pizza or as a layered salad. So there's there's quite a lot of variety immediately from the word go. I like that variant there, Paul. Yeah. That's a good, you know, <laughs> those three options were good. <laughs> steak, pizza and salad. It depends on the steak, day. Steak, pizza and salad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but uh, the one thing that they'll, they'll all have in common is they need to be brought in in an orderly fashion. And the most common way to do that is going to be a conveyor belt system of some kind. Um, there are various different types, but um, it, it largely comes down to preference and what's the most suitable for the packaging that you're using and the product that you're going to package at the time. Now, what's important on a conveyor system of that nature is speed stability. And the reason for that is so you can get your timing right for the trays to go into the machine to be loaded. Um, in the past, it was typically AC motors, um, simply because they're nice and simple. You put a gearhead on them and they will run at a constant speed all day, every day. Um, more recently, um, brushless DC motors, particularly from ourselves, are becoming very popular uh, for this kind of application. Um, they are more energy efficient than a traditional AC motor. They're more compact than a traditional AC motor. And they have got excellent speed control um, through the use of a feedback loop um, through a Hall effect sensor on the back of the motor. Effectively, if you tell that motor to run at 100 RPM, just as an example, um, the motor will check 30 times per revolution that it is reaching the uh, speed that it should be. And um, the comparator inside the driver will adjust the, um, the, the motor control accordingly if it slips down behind that speed or runs ahead of that speed. So your speed stability is absolutely perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, so they'll, they'll end up into the filling station in, uh, in a very timely manner. Um, now on to the actual filling of the tray. Once it's arrived in the filling station, um, this can vary quite a lot depending on which product you are filling. Um, if it's a frozen item or a dry item, uh, such as uh, uh, frozen lasagna or, uh, or a battered fish, for example, uh, some staple products there, um, this might just come in on another conveyor and simply drop into the tray beneath it. Um, if it is uh, for smaller dry items, such as your salad um, or some dry pasta or rice, um, it's likely to be something like a dosing hopper. And a dosing hopper literally looks like a little funnel um, over the top of the tray, and it will open like a pair of jaws. Uh, if you imagine, um, you know, imagine a digger, for example, if you had two digger buckets facing each other, but uh, they are much smaller than that, of course, nobody needs a salad that's going to feed the Jolly Green Giant. Um, but uh, they will open up above the tray and drop it in, and the timing of that is, is very crucial. So that would tend to be done with something along the lines of a stepper motor, so you can get a very accurate open and close cycle. Um, if it is something that's a wet product, um, a, a soup, a sauce, something like that, you'll probably have some kind of liquid doser, which is um, a, a nozzle head which will sit over the tray and um, it will dispense the sauce using an impeller type system. Um, again, that would be very often done with a stepper motor or something of that nature, so you can get that very precise 
dosing of, of the product into the tray. Um, and sometimes you'll even have um, several of these things, one after the other. So, for example, in a layered salad, which would have several different products on top of the other, um, you might have a hopper and then some movement and then another hopper and then some movement and then a liquid doser um, to, to finish off with the sauce on the top. Um, and then after that's, um, after that's all done, the tray will move out of the uh, dosing filling area um, into the next area via another conveyor. And what sort of speeds are these trays on conveyors going? Is it uh, a controlled pace that they have to maintain and that's done by the motors? Uh, absolutely, it's controlled. It, it needs to be very, very accurate depending on the product in question. Um, some things you can get away with moving quite quickly, um, such as frozen items. Um, but something with sauce, for example, you wouldn't want to accelerate it and decelerate it too quickly because then you could end up with essentially sloshing or splashing. Um, A mess. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and that, that's no good for anyone. Um, now, that's actually a, a good point you raised there with the mess. Um, you need high IP ratings on the motors that are in these processes um, because whether it's intentional or not, you're in a food environment. There's there's oil, there's grease, there's, there's food, be there's a bit spillage. Of mess, yeah. And so these... Um, these motors with a high IP rating are necessary for washdown. Um, and for example, with our own brushless DC motors and AC motors, we've got IP66 and IP67 versions, which means it's fully dust proof. Um, IP66 is washdown proof. IP67 can be fully submerged in water. So they're, they're ideal for that sort of environment. And is that something now as well, Paul, just to sort of interject there, that especially with what's happened recently, you know, with, with things, people are obviously probably even more careful about you know protection and cleanliness and everything like that I mean obviously food industry is up there with doing that anyway but do you know have you found that that's something that people are looking at more or actually to be honest with you in the food industry because controls are so stringent anyway I don't think it's had that much of an impact perhaps people are more aware of it now um, and people may have looked into it before, uh, looked into it in a way that they haven't before to see how that sort of thing is done. Um, but the reality is the controls were so good there anyway that um, it's, uh, it's not really as much of an issue as it might appear. So, um, yeah, so as, as uh, going back to the point that Caroline raised, um, the, the speed is, is quite a key thing, um, not only for in terms of keeping things in the tray, but also um, finding that optimal speed to get things into the filling station and get them out without causing any jams down the line um, or causing machinery to wait down the line when it could be uh, doing the next job. Okay, so once they're filled, where, where's the next stop for them? Okay, well, then you need to seal that tray. Um, and again, this can vary quite a bit because of the different sizes and shapes of, um, of food packaging. Um, I'm sure you've, you can think of various different things, like, for example, a, a piece of salmon. You'll see it vacuum packed onto the tray. Um, or a, a going back to our lasagna, you can tell I like those, don't you? Um, <laughs> if you go back to lasagna, it's, um, it's going to have a cellophane seal over the top of it rather than be a, a vacuum seal type thing. So we'll talk in general terms about um, a, a tray filled with something and having a cellophane seal over the top. So the conveyor will run it from the filling machines that we've just described into the tray sealing area. Um, now, this is quite key um, 
with regards to uh, speed accuracy more than it was even in the in the previous area because if the tray doesn't get into the right position the tray sealer isn't going to seal effectively it's, it's going to miss basically and you'll, you'll end up with an imperfect seal so you need accurate deceleration control to bring it nicely into position um, and um, the brushless DC motors again are absolutely perfect for that because of their really really accurate um, speed control um, once the uh, tray is in position, um, the tray sealer will um, fix the cellophane onto the top of the tray with a thermal seal. Um, this will typically be pressed down by some kind of actuator, um, so something which will use a, a linear motion to literally push a press down on top of the tray. Um, and um, that will typically be done either by a servo motor, uh, a closed-loop stepper motor like our own AZ series, or um, a pneumatic actuator. Um, although I have to say, pneumatics are beginning to fall from grace a little bit in these kind of production lines. Um, the reason being that they are um, they're very good for speed and they're very good for force, but they're not very good for accuracy. And so if you need uh, multiple positions, you have to set up the machine entirely separately, again, with your pneumatic actuators. Um, also, pneumatics are falling a little bit out of grace because you need a lot of energy um, to keep the conveyor running. Uh, not the conveyor running, sorry, the compressor running um, for your pneumatics because they run on compressed air. And um, that means you have to have the um, compressor running the entire time the machine is running. And, and that's a lot of energy cost and, and things are getting a bit more um, energy conscious these days. So that, that's why that's becoming a bit less of a thing. Um, the other thing as well is, is maintenance issues with pneumatics. Condensation is a nightmare for pneumatic systems, as anyone who's ever used them would be able to tell you. You end up with um, water inside the pipes. And so that's that's an ongoing battle. Um, so. Um, in, in, in factories where they have long established um, pneumatic systems and they've got a, a, a few big conveyors that run several machines in the whole factory, that phase out might take some time, but it is something that over time you will definitely see those kind of systems coming out of factories as, as the electronic products have, uh, have improved significantly. Um, so... Moving I on. like that conscious energy as well that you just said that like energy conscious. Yes. I like that because yeah, yeah. it is more efficient and just like all things, isn't it? We're just mainstreaming more things. Yeah, so, no, indeed. Yeah, and so going back to the brushless DC motors we we talked about a, a moment ago, um, our own brushless DC, for example. They are compliant with European standards IE3 and IE4, um, even though they don't actually need to be because they, they're not big enough to be within that category. But, but nevertheless, they're in that energy efficiency status. Um, and with something like our AZ series stepper motor, it will only use as much um, current as required for the application at hand. So you're not running at 100% current the whole time. You, if it only needs 30% current, it'll only only use that. So um, it's. Oh, I wish more good. things in life could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so. so great. Okay, and I mean, so yeah, so we've we've covered a lot of that. What is the next stage? I mean, what motors are used? You know, in this next phase after that, what is the next stage after? Um, obviously, the seals and you know everything you've just talked about, yeah. Paul. Actually, we've covered just everything. before we go on to that. Um, there is one thing that's really quite key here because we're starting to look at the safety side of things as well. 
Um, and it's, as I mentioned, if the positioning isn't quite right for the tray seal, um, it's not going to seal properly. So you need to be absolutely certain that that has happened. And once the tray has had the seal put on it, another actuator will move down onto the newly sealed tray and it will literally just try and push down the, um, the, the cellophane to see if it has sealed properly. And once it gets to a certain point, if it, if it reads that resistance, um, then um, you know, it, it knows that that tray has sealed correctly. If it doesn't read that resistance, then the tray will be rejected and it'll be pushed off the line into a, into a waste hopper. So, um, so that's quite a key point before we before we move off. Yeah, the absolutely. Next and it's for, and and like you say, it's um all these well, it's all these things that we take for granted, aren't they? Mm, really, mm. it's uh, the the detail that goes into packaging and all of these areas yeah. is is intense. Yeah. <laughs> systems are getting smarter all, all the time. This is this is really touching on the the whole Internet of Things um side of things and um industry 4.0 so uh, it, it's relevant these aren't just terms that people throw around for marketing it's it's quite a key thing absolutely so sorry okay you were, so you were saying yeah no absolutely i mean i'm just interested you know <laughs> and i'm trying to keep my mind off thinking about food to be honest i'm sure my partner in crime has is absolutely licking my lips here at the lasagna <laughs> that's going through <laughs> <laughs> let's not please not talk about lasagna again thank you um next stage let's get back to the motors what is the next stage and what's used in this next stage phase yeah. should we call it yeah sure so so moving on from the tray ceiling again we're going to be moving out of the tray ceiling area into quality control on, on another conveyor system now i, I did um mention um some degree of quality control with just making sure that the seal is in place um on the on the tray seal previously um but there is a, a really key area in terms of um food safety to be checked here and also in in terms of control for the manufacturer and supplier and control for the end customer to make sure that you're getting what you are expecting to receive so um, the first thing to check is the weight of the product to ensure that if you're buying a, I'm, I'm going to say that word again, I'm sorry, lasagna, um, which is supposed <laughs> to be 300 grams. Um, is it? That, that it's... Uh... Well, not my portion, it's nearly 500, but that's another, that's another story. Yeah, well, Should be 300. Well, sorry, Paul. That's all right, that's all right. I'm, I, I just must go and share a lasagna with you at some point. <laughs> I don't um, think she shares. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but uh, basically to make sure that if it's supposed to be 500 grams, that it is actually 500 grams that the customer is receiving. Um, and that's also important to the supplier to make sure that you're not overfilling the product. Um, if you think about, say, your supermarket shelf, um, personally, I'm a big fan of single malt whiskey. And if you look on the shelf in the supermarket, you'll notice that all of the whiskey bottles are filled to within a fraction of a centimetre of each other. And that is your portion control as far as liquid is concerned. If that... You're telling me there are magic elves that don't do that. <laughs> it was me thinking that. <laughs> no? What, that's machinery? Think, Goodness me. I think that's just the marketing <laughs> campaign. Uh, oh okay. <laughs> but, um, so so if you're if you're looking at that bottle of whiskey, if it was lower than it should be, that's called underfill, and that robs the customer. If it was higher than it's supposed to be, that's called overfill, and that robs the supplier. Um, so the same thing applies to food. Um, when that tray um, is filled, if it's supposed to be five hundred grams, you really want it to be as accurate as possible. So what will happen is it will go into what's called a check weigher. 
And a check wire is a effectively a conveyor belt that runs over the top of a load cell. And a load cell is a uh, another term for a weighing device, basically. Um, so what's key there is you need speed stability again, because the speed needs to go, the, the train needs to go over the load cell in the check wire at exactly the right speed so that it can quickly capture the um the weight of the product accurately and they are remarkably accurate they can to be to within fractions of a gram um, so the manufacturer um, will decide what the upper and lower boundaries are maybe plus minus two grams for example and if it's out then it will be again rejected um, that's also a, a, a method of control, by the way. If too many items are rejected within a set period of time, we know there's a maintenance issue. So um, you, your machine will um, count how many rejects there are. And if there's a beyond a preset number of rejects within a set time, that will then send out a warning flag. And then the manufacturer knows, oh, hang on, wait, there's, there's something not right here. Machine will stop and they'll go down and inspect and see what the issue is to ensure that there's, there's not excessive waste or anything like that. So again, is this something? Is this something that um, you know when your customers, for example, at Oriental Motor, is this something that you you know there must be so many different there's there's so many different aspects to come into play with what you need, isn't there? You there must be quite a bit of consultation goes into this, whether it's on the phone or you know virtually or face to face with customers about what their needs are, because sometimes they might not need know what they need. Yeah, that no, that's correct to assume that's, that. That's exactly right. Yes, and and mm. part of what we do at um, at Oriental Motor is is quite consultative, really. Um, so, say for example, um, you, our customer came to us and said, "Okay, we're building a new conveyor system. We're building a new checkwear system. Um, we have in mind this sort of motor, and they may be talking about an AC motor or a servo motor or something like that." Um, and um, it's going to be this sort of size. We wanted to run at this sort of speed, and we we wanted to be able to select several different products of several different sizes and weights. We'd then take a look at all of that for them and say, "Well, actually, for what you're trying to do, an AC motor, for example, might be um, not quite sophisticated enough, um, but a servo motor might be too far the other way, over sophisticated, um, and therefore you're you're um, spending." A, an amount of money you don't really need to for that machine. So that then would lead us into the middle area, which is our brushless DC motors again. And um, we can we can then um, advise which functions are going to be most suitable on, on the more simple end, such as our BMU series, if they just want really good speed accuracy. But if they want something slightly more sophisticated with the ability to send out certain warning flags or adjust torque values, that sort of thing, then maybe our BLE2 series would be the right way to go. And, um, and then, of course, we do the calculations behind the, the weights and speeds of the mechanical components and the product they want to run over there. Um, and we'd work out how much torque and speed they need so that they get the right size motor for the job and don't waste money on prototyping and using the wrong size motor. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's a very big part of it. Um, thanks for uh, bringing that up. Wow, it's it's just you know, like you say, there's a lot more. It, there's a lot more involved than just sort of going in. Hello, here's your motor. This is what's needed. It's it's a case by case thing, isn't it? Which takes time. Yeah. So and yeah, experience, which you guys have got, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so as we said, that's that's your check wire, and and they are remarkably accurate, and that's to make sure you you get what you're actually paying for, and. Um, and not less or a lot more. Um, but then you also have the safety aspects as well. So 
you will have things like metal detectors to, you know, it's a, it's a basic um, thing. I'm sure you can imagine when I say metal detector, it's looking for any metal that's found its way in there that shouldn't. So uh, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm showing my age. I'm thinking retro gadgets on the beach, but I don't think that's what you mean. Is it? <laughs> no. So, so basically in the extremely unlikely scenario where a screw has come loose in the machine and somehow found its way into your tray of food, the metal detector will find that very quickly. And that's, that's quite a serious thing. So that, that will be an alarm instantly to, to go and stop the machine and have a maintenance engineer go and have a look and find out what on earth has happened there. Really, really shouldn't happen, but also you can't risk it happening. So that's, that's why that exists. Um, after that, the tray will um, almost certainly run through an X-ray check, uh, checker as well. Um, and this is just to ensure that anything that's not metal, um, which shouldn't be in your tray of food, um, has, has found its way in there. Uh, a little bit of a stretch, but say, for example, the machine has a plastic component, um, such as a, a polyurethane runner down the side of the conveyor belt um, to, to, to bounce anything back in that might have crept to the side, just to ensure that there aren't any shavings that have come off that or anything like that. Again, I really must stress that's, that's extremely unlikely um, with, with modern manufacturing standards, but it's, again, a risk you just can't take. And so that's why that's there. And if, if the x-ray um, system finds anything that shouldn't be in there, again, it'll be rejected. A warning flag will be sent and um, a maintenance engineer will be there very quickly taking a look at what exactly has happened. Um, again, if these things do need to be rejected, there will be a, a reject paddle that will literally push the product off the belt into a, into a bin. And that might be driven by an actuator or it might be driven by a... Um, a belt type system because they are very fast these days um, and again we'd have to have a look at which product would be suitable for that as well. Okay. So the, the weighing seems a bit late I thought you'd be doing that at the the hopper stages uh, is it just a case that if something is a couple of grams over there throw the whole lasagna away? Well they, you're very much right in that anything that lands in the tray at the earlier stage in the process will already have had its own quality checks and controls before it gets there. Um, so as, um, as per uh, the products we were talking about previously, like uh, a layered salad is a good example because that would be a multiple process. Um, so you'd have the tray brought in and then you would have a hopper dropping layer one and that hopper will either be timed to precisely open and close um, at exactly the right point to give a preset amount, say 30 grams of salad, um, into, into the tray. And then the next one might say drop, um, just plucking something out of the air, 50 grams of chicken on the top of that. Um, and that again will either be a pre-weighed amount that's landed in the hopper to then be dropped in, or the dropper will be working on a timer to, um, to open and close on exactly the right time to do that. Um, same thing with the dosing system with the um, the sauce if you're using a liquid doser um, that one's more likely to be timed because you know a certain number of turns on the impeller will result in certain um, volume of sauce being distributed so there's already quite a tight control there before it even gets to the checkware system further down the line um, and I can imagine people thinking that a great number of trays of food are going to be bounced off this um, conveyor belt into a waste bin um, if, uh, if the weights are out. But the reality is that the processes before it gets to the check wire are so accurate 
because of modern automation technology that there will be very few that are actually rejected. And you can have the number of um, rejected items um, be fed back uh, very easily using um, smart technology um, to ensure that not too many are. And depending on what the manufacturer wants, that might be as little as one reject in 10 minutes would be an, uh, an alarm flag for them. Or it might be four in an hour would be a, um, enough to trigger a warning and have a look at what's going on there. And then you can backtrack it through the system as to, as to where it's going wrong, tweak something further forward in the system such as your your dosing nozzle, and um, and then eliminate that problem. Okay, thanks. And where do the correct? Yeah, where do the correct? I mean, I'm kind of more interested in where the reject trays of lasagna go. But now I know there aren't many because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about lasagna. It's lunchtime. Where do the correct weight trays go next? Then, if that's that's what happens with everything that's not correct. Um, well, they'll just continue down the line. So they'll just um, continue down the line. Yeah. So, so we've we've gone through our filling, we've gone through our um, uh, sealing, and we've now gone through our safety checks. Um, so we now know at this point that it's it's full, it's sealed, it's safe. So we have to we have to package it up. So once again, we're back to our trusty conveyor belt system to take it out of the um, quality control area into the packaging area. Um, and again, if you imagine your, your supermarket shelves, there's a very wide range of packaging that's, that's out there. Um, so a, a pizza is going to go into a box, a lasagna is going to have a sleeve put over the top of it. Um, so the, there's, it's quite broad. A salad may have multiple trays. Yeah, it could do. Yeah, indeed. You know, sometimes you get those, don't you? You get the grated cheese on the top. Yeah, yeah. Well, not grated cheese, grated carrot. Cheese would be good on a salad, would it? It's, you know what I, I mean, Caroline? You get those layers, don't you? And then you get a bit of coleslaw in them. And so there could be multiple things going on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It might be a cellophane seal as well on the top of that. So at this stage, once everything is, uh, is all um, checked and ready to be packaged, you, you may actually have several different lines converging together because the packaging process is, is often quite a bit quicker than the processes that have happened up to now. So you may have um, three, four different lines in the same factory space um, running alongside each other in parallel, and they may now merge into a single faster conveyor system um, for packaging. So these would go through um, on a converger, um, which is where several conveyor lines merge into one, kind of like uh, slip lanes on a uh, joining a motorway, um, and um, and they'll they'll come down there. The, the products are coming in a zipper fashion, and yeah. uh, again, that's where speed stability is is really important because if you had the trays arriving there at the same time, they may push themselves into the wrong configuration and and stack up and, and cause a jam in the line. So you really want that speed stability so that they'll they'll slide into uh, into position one after the other. Um, once they move on from the converger system, it will be into the packaging area. Now, as we already touched on, packaging machines can vary quite a bit depending on the product that's going in there, the shape of the package, and, and how exactly you want the, the, the product to be packaged at the end of that. Um, it might be a simple cardboard sleeve, um, which may be either loose or glued into place. It, it might be a complete sealed box. Um, but yeah, it's going to be quite different. Now, what will happen with the, the packaging area? Again, you, you've got an automated process where you need um, the product to go into the right area at the right speed at the right time. Um, and um, if it's a sleeve, 
the sleeve will be pulled open before the product gets there and the product will just simply slide into the sleeve and then the sleeve will be let go um, by the gripper system which is holding it and it will just continue down the line with the sleeve now attached. Um, or if it's something like a pizza, it, the box will be sitting there waiting for it, which will probably have been pulled up on a stacker of some kind, and the pizza will slide into the box. Um, then actuators will come into place to fold the um, glued ends down and seal the box, and it will then carry on down the line to be added into a case, uh, and the case will then be sealed by a bigger packaging machine um, at the end of it all, basically. I, I do like the idea of a like a six lane motorway full of food converging. As Paul was describing, mm. lasagna coming in on the north side. And today, I know this is very. This is not good for my diet. This conversation today. I'm very visual with these lasagna talks. <laughs> You're right, Caroline. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So, so effectively, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I, I really could talk about the packaging side of things a lot because there's such a variation in packaging. But, um, but again, it, it relies on very much the same sort of things as, as we mentioned already uh, earlier on. Speed stability, speed control, and intelligent systems if something goes wrong to, um, to, to flag up warnings. Um, and in fact, actually, not, not even if it's just that uh, something has gone wrong with a particular um, package. Um, it could be that things are arriving slightly more slowly than they should be in the packaging area, in which case there may be a wear issue on the machine. So you can use, for example, with our brushless DC motors, um, there is a, a, a torque limit warning. And if there is wear on the machine and the motor is having to put more effort into getting the product where it needs to be, um, you know, applying more torque than it would normally have to, it can set out a warning flag just to the maintenance engineer to be able to read. Um, so he knows there's something probably not quite right with that machine. You know, a bearing might be dying or a belt might be wearing or something might be rubbing or catching. So that, again, feeds into this um, you know, Industry 4.0 side of things and, and smart manufacturing. And, and these products are really perfect for that. So in the old days, you would have had people alongside the assembly line you're putting the fish fingers into the boxes and checking for quality and all those things. But as there's more yeah. automation, you're having to rely more on the intelligence to mm. dictate or to indicate when there's either maintenance issues or when there's any other quality issues. That's right, yeah. And and there have been more technical technological advances in the last decade than there were in the previous 100 years. And a lot of those advances have been to do with... Um, the computer side of things. And these um, these developments are making their way into automation. So even simple motors are getting smarter because of the um, the drivers that are, are available with them and the, the computerized systems that, that run them. Um, so where in the past, you, you're, you're absolutely right, you literally would have needed a human to monitor every step of the process and make sure everything was going right. Um, you may not have even known there was a problem with the machine until it broke down. Um, you know, these days, smarter systems are, are absolutely key um, to making those processes more efficient, making them safer, um, making them quicker, and also finding these maintenance issues before they become a big problem. So, yeah, it's, it's something that we're, uh, we're really focused on. And is the food industry, um, I mean, I, you know, a significant one for Oriental Motor in terms of business? I mean, I know it is significant, but has that, like you're saying, this um, technology has 
increased so have you seen that increase through with your proportion of business that's taken up looking after that sector absolutely yeah um the, the food industry has always been a strong area for us because we've got products that suit that area quite well um so so i've already mentioned the high ip ratings that we have on our brushes dc and ac motors um we've got a really wonderful series of ac motors called the fpw series which are powder coated and they're absolutely bomb proof you can wash them down with anything um so they're really well suited to messy food production lines um but also in, in more recent months with the COVID-19 situation that we're all still uh, having to deal with at the moment, um, the food production industry in the UK has absolutely exploded as, as demand for um, ready meals and more home cooking um, and more products on supermarket shelves has, has skyrocketed. Um, one of my customers was telling me a little while ago, uh, back in July, um, that they normally have orders for machines um, at that time of year until kind of late August, early September. Um, but at that time, he had orders all the way through to the end of February. So it really has gone gone very big and, and we're in a good position to, to fill that need. And as you're, you know, as you're saying exactly that, I mean, I, it's, it's really interesting to hear about all the different processes involved in making these ready meals, but also... I think ready meals as a uh, food source, it's changed what it means. You know, a few years ago, it was like, oh, ready meals, you know, you're ready, you're ready roast dinner on your plate. It was like meal for one, you know, or something. Yeah. But now, actually, I mean, I sort of go over to the States quite a bit, or used to before we were not allowed to so much. And, you know, the, 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 the foods that you could get, healthy foods, ready meal, shall we call them, healthy food options, was significant. And you're seeing that now come over to the UK even more. And I think even more through lockdown now, people are looking at different ways of digesting their food. I, for one, you know, quite often get ready meals that are vegan, beautiful vegan put together meals mm. that I just get. But they're ready meals in essence. So that, that's got to be something that's going to be even more. It's, it's all increasing, isn't it? Like you say. So the processes are going to get more sophisticated, the more applications there experiencing i imagine yeah that's absolutely right i mean you, you touched yourself earlier on the whole um salad side of things where you get lots of little a bit more fashionable now isn't it paul <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. um and um yeah you're absolutely right there's there's uh, there's that's a good example of several different products making their way into one container um you'll also see a lot more of um premium ready meals now um i, I uh, you see in supermarkets they have their own top of the line range you also see third party um suppliers to supermarkets with some very very nice ready meals these days um and those are not going to be just a case of dropping a single item into a tray they're going to be a, a nice product with a nice sauce and then a nice topping and the more sophisticated automation systems um, that we can support will help allow that to happen and and the automation of those systems will also help keep the cost down to the end customer because um, if you can automate that make it quicker and more efficient then the labor cost for each of those items comes down yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it and it is that I think that whole market now, that ready meal market, it kind of needs a new name, doesn't it? It needs a slightly better, it needs a slightly more sophisticated name than ready meal, because even though that says what it does on the tin, it the quality of the food now that you get in a, in that in that way is much better. I mean, I never thought I would be, but you know, also just packaging, 
it, whether it's a vegan mix that I then fry in a wok or something like that, it's not always a. Re- it's just there's so much of that now going out that's making foods more accessible and affordable, actually, which is obviously because you guys are doing fantastic <laughs> motors, keeping their costs down. Well, that is the plan. <laughs> Absolutely. Ca- I mean, Caroline, I'm I'm like I need to go and eat some lunch now. I'm starving. I don't know about you. Have you got anything else you want to ask Paul? I feel like we are honestly packaged up you know (laughs) totally uh i I feel like i know everything about this conveyor system now i'm quite excited yeah i I don't think there's um there's anything else i needed to ask you um except uh where do you get your lasagna from again was it (laughs) (laughs) yeah we can't say that Uh, unless we like you know someone wants to sponsor or endorse this episode which could be arranged later (laughs) but no all jokes aside i think thank you paul i mean i'm definitely gonna that was that was really honestly i really really did quite enjoy learning about that i'm like it's made me think a little bit more about the meals that i pick up at the supermarket and where they've been and what process have they been through? And I think that's the exciting thing about having these chats, these engineering chats, is being able to, you know, get people to understand a little bit about these processes that go into it and also the technology that's available for the businesses because it is very easy just to walk in and think, oh, look, that magic, that tray just magicked onto that shelf and now I shall go and eat it. And it's a little bit more detailed than that, yeah. isn't it? So thank you, Paul. Oh, thank you very much for having me again. It's, I, it's I can't to wait to guys. talk to you about next. I'll, you've got a top lasagna, <laughs> literally, on your next chat with us. Um, you're going to have to top it. So yeah, I, I'm I'm fully fully ready yes. for the next. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. That'd be great. This was the latest that podcast, the engineering podcast, brought to you by Chatty Hatter Media and Marketing. Access this and that engineering chat podcast at www.chattyhatter.com forward slash that hyphen engineering hyphen chat or apple spotify and many other channels (laughs) remember to subscribe to listen to the latest podcast and please remember to review and rate the podcast thanks and if you want to be involved in a podcast as a subject or sponsor please contact us by email at hello at chattyhatter.com most importantly is to thank paul jepson and all at oriental motor um if you want to find out more about their amazing well, hit us, Paul. What's your website? It is oriental-motor.co.uk and uh, all of our contact details are on there. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, that's all from me. And Cameron. that's all from me. <laughs>